0: Hi there. I want to read you another story today by the author Thornton W. Burgess, and this story is called How Prickly Porky Got His Quills. The newcomer in the green forest was a source of great interest to the merry little breezes. Ever since they had seen him turn himself into a huge prickly ball, like a giant chestnut burr, And with a slap of his tail, send Bowser the Hound yelping home with his lips stuck full of little barbed spears. They had visited the green forest every day to watch Prickly Porky. He was not very social. Indeed, he was not social at all, but attended strictly to his own business, which consisted chiefly of stripping bark from the trees and eating it. Never had the merry little breezes seen such an appetite. Already that part of the green forest where he had chosen to live had many bare, stark trees killed that Prickly Porky the porcupine might live. You see, a tree cannot live without bark and Prickly Porky had stripped them clean to fill his stomach. But if Prickly Porky was not social he was not unfriendly. He seemed to enjoy having the merry little breezes about and did not in the least mind having them rumple up the long hair of his coat to feel the sharp little barbed spears underneath. Some of these were so loose they dropped out. Peter Rabbit's curiosity led him to examine some of these among bits of bark at the foot of a tree. Mm, Peter wished that he had left them alone. One of the sharp little barbs pierced his tender skin, and Peter could not get it out. He had to ask Johnny Chuck to do it for him. Oh, and it hurt dreadfully. After that, the little meadow people and forest folks held Prickly Porky in greater respect than ever and left him severely alone, which was just what he seemed to want. One morning the merry little breezes failed to find prickly porky in the green forest could he have left as mysteriously as he had come they hurried down to the smiling pool to tell great-grandfather frog bursting through the bulrushes on the edge of the smiling pool they nearly upset jerry muskrat who was sitting on an old log intently watching something out in the middle of the smiling pool Ha! it was prickly porky Some of the sharp little barbed spears were standing on end. Altogether, he was the queerest sight the smiling pool had seen for a long time. He was swimming easily, and you may be sure no one tried to bother him. Little Joe Otter and Billy Mink sat on the big rock, and for once they had forgotten to play tricks. When Prickly Porky headed towards the big rock, Hmm... Little Joe Otter suddenly remembered that he had business down the Laughing Brook and Billy Mink uh, recalled that Mother Mink had forbidden them to play at the Smiling Pool. Prickly Porky had the Smiling Pool quite to himself. When he had swum to his heart's content, he climbed out, shook himself, and slowly ambled up the lone little path to the green forest. The merry little breezes watched him out of sight. Then they danced over to the big green lily pad on which sat Grandfather Frog. The merry little breezes were great favorites with Grandfather Frog. As usual, they brought him some foolish green flies. Grandfather Frog's eyes twinkled as he snapped up the last foolish green fly. Chug-a-rum, said Grandfather Frog. And now I suppose you want a story folded his hands across his white and yellow waistcoat. If you please, shouted the merry little breezes, if you please do tell us how it is that prickly Porky has spears on his back. Grandfather settled himself comfortably. Chug-a-rum, said he. Once upon a time when the world was young, Mr. Porcupine The grandfather a thousand times removed of Prickly Porky, whom you all know, lived in the green forest where old King Bear ruled. Mr. Porcupine was a slow, clumsy fellow, just as his grandson a thousand times removed is today. He was so slow moving, and when he tried to hurry, tumbled over himself so much that he had hard work getting to get enough to eat. Always someone reached the berry patch before he did. The beetles and the bugs were so spry that seldom could he catch them. Hunger was in his stomach and little else most of the time. Mr. Porcupine grew thin and thinner and still more thin. His long shaggy coat looked twice too big for him. Because he was so hungry, he could sleep little And night as well as day, he roamed the forest, thinking of nothing but his empty stomach and looking for something to put in it. So he learned to see by night as well as by day. One day, he could not find a single berry, and not a bug or a beetle could he catch. He was so hungry that he sat down with his back against a big black birch, and clasping both hands over his lean stomach, he wept. There Sister Southwind found him, and her heart was moved to pity, for she knew that his wits were as slow as his body. Softly she stole up behind him. Try the bark of the black birch. It's sweet and good, whispered Sister Southwind. Then she hurried on her way. Mister Porcupine still sat with his hands clasped over clasped over his lean stomach, for it took a long time for his slow wit to understand what Sister South Wind meant. Bark, bark, try bark," said Mister Porcupine over and over to himself. He rolled his dull little eyes up at the blade, Big black birch. I believe I will try it, said Mr. Porcupine at last. Slowly he turned and began to gnaw the bark of the big black birch. It was tough, but it tasted good. Clumsily he began to climb, tearing off a mouthful of bark here and there as he climbed. The higher he got, The tenderer and sweeter the bark became. Finally, he reached the top of the tree, and there on the small branches, the bark was so tender and so sweet that he ate and ate and ate until, for the first time in many days, Mr. Porcupine had a full stomach. That night, he curled up in a hollow log and slept all the night through dreaming of great forests of black birch and all he wanted to eat. The next day he hunted for and found another black birch, and climbing to the top, he ate and ate until his stomach was full. From that time on, Mr. Porcupine ceased to hunt for berries or bugs or beetles. He grew stout and stouter. He filled his shaggy coat until it was so tight it threatened to burst. Now, while Mr. Porcupine was so was so thin and lean, he had no enemies. But when he grew stout and then fat, Mr. Panther and Mr. Fisher and Mr. Bobcat and even old King Bear began to cast longing eyes upon him. For times were hard and they were hungry. Mr. Porcupine began to grow afraid. By night he hid in hollow leaves, and by day he went abroad to eat only when he was sure that no one bigger than himself was about. And because he no longer dared to move about as before, he no longer depended upon the black birch alone, but learned to eat and to like all kinds of bark. One day he had made his breakfast on the bark of a honey locust. When he came down, he brought with him a strip of bark, and he attached, and attached to it were some of the long thorns with which the honey locust seeks to protect itself. When he reached the ground, whom should he find waiting for him but Mr. Panther? Mr. Panther was very lean and very hungry, for hunting had been poor, and the times were hard. "'Good morning, Mr. Porcupine,' said Mr. Panther, with a wicked grin. "'How fat you are!' Uh, "'Good morning, Mr. Panther,' said Mr. Porcupine, politely. But his long hair stood on end with fright as he looked into Mr. Panther's cruel yellow eyes. "'I say, how fat you are,' said Mr. Panther, licking his chops and showing all his long teeth. What do you find to eat in these hard times? Bark, Mr. Panther. Just bark, said Mr. Porcupine, while his teeth chattered with fear. It really is very nice and sweet. Would you try a piece, Mr. Panther? Mr. Porcupine held out the strip of locust bark which he had brought down the tree from the tree for his lunch. Now, Mr. Panther had never tried bark, but he thought to himself that if it made Mr. Porcupine so fat, it must be good. He would try the piece of bark first and eat Mr. Porcupine afterward. So he reached out and snapped up the strip of bark. Now, the locust thorns were long and they were very sharp. They pierced Mr. Panther's tender lips and his tongue. They stuck in the roof of his mouth. Mr. Panther spat and yelled with pain and rage and clawed frantically at his mouth. He rolled over and over trying to get rid of the thorns. <laughs> Mr. Porcupine didn't stay to watch him. For once in his life he hurried. By the time Mr. Panther got was rid of the last thorn... Mr. Porcupine was nowhere to be seen. He was safely hidden inside a hollow log. Mr. Porcupine didn't sleep that night. He just lay and thought and thought and thought. The next morning, very early, before anyone else was astir, he started out to call on Old Mother Nature. "'Good morning, Mr. Porcupine!' brings you out so early, asked old Mother Nature. Mr. Porcupine bowed very low. If you please, Mother Nature, I want you to help me, said he. Then he told her all about his meeting with Mr. Panther and how helpless he was when he met his enemies, and he begged her to give him stout claws and a big mouth full of long teeth that he might protect himself. Mother Nature thought a few minutes. "'Mr. Porcupine,' said she, "'you have always minded your own business. You do not know how to fight. If I should give you a big mouthful of long teeth, you would not know how to use them. You move too slowly. Hmm. Instead, I will give you a thousand little spears.' They shall be hidden in the long hair of your coat, and only when you are in danger shall you use them. Go back to the green forest, and the next time you meet Mr. Panther, or Mr. Fisher, or Mr. Bobcat, or Old King Bear, roll yourself into a ball, and the thousand little spears will protect you. Now go! Mr. Porcupine thanked old Mother Nature and started back for the green forest. Once he stopped to smooth down his long, rough coat, sure enough, there, under the long hair, he felt a thousand little spears. He went along happily until he, until suddenly he met Mr. Panther. Yes! Yes, sir, he met Mr. Panther. <gasps> Mr. Panther was feeling very ugly, for his mouth was sore. He grinned wickedly when he saw Mr. Porcupine and stepped right out in front of him all the time, licking his lips. Mr. Porcupine trembled all over, but he remembered what old Mother Nature had told him. In a flash, he had rolled up into a tight ball. Sure enough, thousand little spears sprang out of his long coat, and he looked like a huge chestnut burr. Mr. Panther was so surprised he didn't know just what to do. He reached out a paw and touched Mr. Porcupine. Mr. Porcupine was nervous. He switched his tail around, and it struck Mr. Panther's paw. Mr. Panther yelled, for there were spears on Mr. Porcupine's tail, and they were worse than the locust thorns. He backed away hurriedly and limped off up the lone little path, growling horribly. Mr. Porcupine waited until Mr. Panther was out of sight. Then he unrolled, and slowly and happily he walked back to his home in the green forest. And since that day long ago, when the world was young, the porcupines have feared nothing and have attended strictly to their own business. And that is how they happen to have a thousand little barbed spears, which are called quills, concluded Grandfather Frog. The merry little breezes drew a long breath. Thank you, Grandfather Frog, thank you ever so much, They cried all together. We are going back now to tell Prickly Porky that we know all about his little spears and how he happened to get them. But first, they blew a dozen fat, foolish green flies over to Grandfather Frog.